worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Kim Walsh Phillips, co-author of the No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, the ultimate no-holds-barred guide to producing measurable, monetizable results with social media marketing. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer in 2016. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Kim Walsh Phillips, and we're going to talk about the book she has co-authored with Dan Kennedy, The No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, the ultimate no-holes-barred guide to producing measurable, monetizable results with social media marketing. Kim Walsh Phillips is an award-winning keynote speaker, author, podcaster, and CEO of Elite Digital Group, a direct response social media agency. And the name of Kim's podcast is Facebook Sales Strategies. Kim has brought in more than $1 billion through her clients with her laser focus on increasing their revenue through direct response marketing. Kim, congratulations on the No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure and honor. So, Kim, you live in uh, New Jersey, not far from New York City, so I'm guessing maybe you're a uh, NFL, New York Jets fan, maybe a New York Giants fan? Yeah. I Well, I also grew up on Long Island. Um, so it more comes from my dad. I'm not a super um, sophisticated football fan, as in I don't really know much of what's going on, but I do know that we have green and white. The Jets are our, our team of choice. So yeah. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So you write in the book that you are an extremely annoying person to watch football with on TV. Uh-huh. And I think yeah. this says a lot about the book. So can you explain for the listener why you are such an an annoying person to watch football with on TV? And it's not because you don't bring snacks. You do bring <laughs> yeah, snacks. So, you're right. No, yeah, I love the snacks um, and to bring them and I love to host. But so football will be one of those few things that we'll watch live in our household that we're not going to record and DVR and then fast forward through the commercials because we want to stay live in the action of the game. And so I will watch commercials during a football game. And it took about um, four years into my marriage for my husband finally to share with me that it's very annoying to watch television with me. And that is because of my uh, my passion for yelling at the TV during commercials. 
because almost every company is wasting their money and their creative energy and their airspace on just going after awareness. I find that especially during football, you know, football um, episodes that there'll be the commercials will all be focused on entertaining us, bringing mm-hmm. us humor, but nothing about ROI. And honestly, it struck me the most when I attended an ad tech conference and that they were just starting to talk about ROI, but I was invited to attend their awards program um, because of my blog and writing about marketing. And what I could not believe was that nothing in the awards that they give out to ad agencies had anything to do with whether or not the ad had created effective results, if there was any kind of ROI on it. And so when I'm watching these football commercials or commercials during a football game, I could see commercial after commercial that's all about the ad agency flexing their you know creative muscles versus doing anything to get a return on investment for the company spending the money to put it on air. Yes, yes. And <laughs> it's so true. And I used to live up near you and I worked on Madison Avenue and I can remember time after time, you know, big agencies. In fact, one time on the Toys R Us account where uh, the creative director was there and my boss, who was a very senior guy, was there. And I remember the creative director, they were looking at all the storyboards and yeah. he's, he said, I think we can win some awards with this. And my boss, the account guy said, yeah, and maybe the client will get some more traffic into their stores to sell more product, like as if that were an afterthought. Right, and so often it is. I mean, that's what's the most amazing thing that, you know, and it's an accepted thing in that industry, and that's why when I discovered Dan Kennedy's book, The No BS Guide to Direct Response, it just, it opened my mind because I had, I was that person. I owned a PR agency for 10 years and I thought that's how you do marketing. You get awareness out, you entertain, you want to keep that lasting impression, but you don't really need to focus on ROI or I just didn't know any better. And so I don't think that they're, I really don't think anyone's doing anything malicious or ill-intended. It's just that's what's accepted, and they just don't know any better. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you are not asked to host or to judge at a lot of uh, creative award shows? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And when we've worked with departments inside large, cor- large corporations, um, generally that doesn't work out so well because they don't love a word that is how I live and breathe, and that's called accountability. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's not generally the thing of a marketing department of a major corporation. They are, do not like to be held accountable or need to measure their results in any way. That is, uh, well, you've touched on something there, though, because that is such a big undercurrent of marketing these days where marketing can now be held uh, more accountable for things more closely linked to revenue, if not revenues, closely linked to it. And there's a, I, I could argue, I would argue there's a generation of marketers that are not used to that. They're not comfortable with it and, and they're terrified of it. Absolutely. And I mean, the good thing about digital marketing which I th- we're getting there in time and more and more um, folks are learning about it in school, which I'm still finding it's lacking um, big time from the interns we get. But more it's coming about, and the, the reality is a lot of the more sophisticated ad platforms in digital have tracking built into them that allows you to track actual sales conversion. So my hope is 
because the tracking is getting more sophisticated, but also more readily available to small businesses, that the conversation around measurement will continue to expand. Yes. And the conversation around measurement as it relates to sales conversions, not these meaningless vanity metrics that are only on the periphery of, of what's important. Exactly. So, Kim, I, I could ask you, you know, why'd you write a book about social media and why should somebody read it? But I'd rather just read a short excerpt from the introduction. Okay. You said, I decided it was important to co-author a book about direct response social media marketing because no matter what I say, you are most likely still going to move forward with it. And in fact, some of the time, I recommend that you do. I do have clients getting direct profitable results, and I do see legitimate marketing being done in this venue. If you venture into social media, handle it with care. Do not be peer pressured to follow how others are using it. I'd say 99% of them are doing it wrong. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, and actually, according to Social Media Examiner, so uh, a social media platform, very large, huge number of followers, they do an annual survey. And their most recent statistic was that 87% of those utilizing social media for business get no measurable return on investment. And of the 13% that do, um, something like 75% of them never see more than $1,000 in net profit from their social media activities. So the number getting a return is so small. So if you follow what you are seeing in social media, if you look at what the major companies are doing to the small companies, to a solopreneur, chances are they are getting no ROI. So you can't follow what is out there the social media marketplace and expect that you're going to get a return on investment because nobody is. Yeah. I think you said, uh, it's as if you're reading my show notes here, uh, <laughs> Kim, but I think you mentioned like over 75% of them in that study don't even know how to measure the results. And this is actually a fairly savvy group of marketers that are responding to that survey, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the stats I had to use in the book were obviously previous, I think they were 2014 mm -hmm. um, with the, the timing, but this, the 2016 report that just came out is no different. It has not improved in any way. And I don't know that it ever will, frankly, because if you look at any other form of marketing, it's the same thing. People are not tracking. They're not putting in calls to action. There's no time sensitive nature. There's no direct action um, given of what people can do next. So I think it's just really a result of bad marketing versus just the medium itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You write that uh, social media is not marketing. Explain what you mean. Yeah, so social media is a channel, just like direct mail is a channel, television is a channel, a billboard is a channel. And just because you put something onto social media does not mean that you're actually doing any marketing. It certainly doesn't mean you're doing any type of sales. And so what Facebook has done, LinkedIn, Twitter, it has allowed businesses to access a channel easily and for free. And because of that, very little thought is put in most often when the strategy or how it's going to actually produce results. And often this task of social media marketing is given to the youngest person on the team, a niece or nephew. An the intern. intern. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Someone who has no real stake in the game. And you would never do that. You would never give that job to a, you know, a 50,000 piece direct mail campaign to that youngest person who just joined and doesn't have any experience 
but you would do that with social because you think that they know it. But the channel is not the strategy. The channel is just a channel. And so even though businesses can get on there so easily, what I caution any business to do is that every time you post something on social media, it is though you took out a billboard in Times Square that can live on forever. And so the strategy really needs to be behind every post, every ad, every message, because this is the voice you're putting out there into the world. And it can produce incredible results for you if it's being done effectively, or it could really harm your company if it's not done well. So if you don't have the manpower, the desire, or the um, knowledge yet to do it uh, correctly, then I recommend that you hold back and pull back from doing any of it until you do. Mm-hmm. Do it well or, or, or don't do it. Right. Even though it's free and easy, quote unquote, it can harm you if you're not doing it correctly. Yeah. I've heard Jay Bear say that social media is free like a puppy is free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I handle with care. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there are costs and... uh it's going to be a lot of work. So we have a puppy at home, so I have to, I have to mention you that. <laughs> so, um, in the, at the beginning of the book, you, you go through what some of the basics are for effective marketing. And I just appreciated, uh, you know, that recap and, 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 you know, sometimes we, we get away from these things. And I was wondering if, you know, you could talk about some of the, some of the more important ones. Sure. So any effective marketing campaign is going to have a few key components. Number one, you need to understand the needs of your target market because great marketing has to be focused on them and not you. No matter how much we want it to be different, nobody cares about your products, programs, or services. All they care about is how they are going to make their lives better. So you just stop talking about ourselves and start talking about how it's going to make their lives better. And this is really making them think about what's the end result of doing business with you. Not the process for doing business with you, but the end result for doing business with you. For example, a personal trainer might want to focus on what it would feel like to be confident walking on the beach. Um, a financial planner might want to talk about what it might feel like to pay cash for their child's college education and not worry about what school they were accepted to because they have it covered. Or a realtor might want to talk about what it would feel like to be able to move to any neighborhood you wanted because your house sold for the best price. This is much different than focusing on the process for selling the home or the workout to get those abs or the financial products you need in order to have that college tuition paid for. You're focusing on outcome because that's really and truly what people want to focus on. So that's number one, focusing on them. Number two is always, always, always provide clear instructions on what the next step is and give it a time-sensitive deadline with an incentive to take action now. You know, too many things are on our plate every single day. And unless we give our customers or prospects a time-sensitive call to action, they're, they're going to put it on the do-it-later list. And you think about this in terms of a gym and their memberships, where we might all think, you know, every Monday, oh, I'm going to join a gym next Monday. I'm going to start next Monday. I'm going to start next Monday. And one of the things gyms have done so smartly is to put in place boot camps because now we've taken a membership where it can be done anytime and has no time-sensitive nature to it, and we've given a date and a time that I need to begin or I'm going to miss it. And when you offer an incentive, whether it be an added item with purchase, um, a bonus, a free report, a discount, something 
that gives it a time sensitive deadline. You've now given, taken away the option to your prospect to think about it, to do it later. They need to do it now. And it's really why so many online marketers use live casts and do product launches. It's not because the products can't exist other times of the year, because of course they can. A digital product you can sell at any time. It's because it takes this passive deadline and turns it into an immediate thing that you need to take advantage of at a certain moment or not at all. And we have found that you have to give people that deadline in order to get them to move. If you ever ever tried to plan a party, you know it right away. You get all those RSVPs the day or two after you ask people to respond because we all have a tendency to wait until the very end to make ourselves do something. Yeah, what's with people that are waiting? <laughs> I don't know. And these are your friends. Yeah. yeah, I can't say anything. I'm not. I'm no better than any of my customers, so I get it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, why are so many marketers not including a- an offer? It seems like the offer is, is so important. Yeah, I mean – I, I, again, I think this is just they don't know any better. They think if they just put themselves out there. I mean, the worst, the worst example, and um, it drove me nuts. I actually wrote a blog just about this topic of how bank marketing is so horrific. If you think about most any bank's marketing, all they are doing in their ad is showing you their staff and that they exist and that they'll provide some type of service or that you should talk to them. I mean, it's 100% about them. It has no call to action. It has no deadline, no incentive, no reason to talk to them now. I mean, I think they've even gotten away from back in the day, they at least used time-sensitive calls to action that you would get a free gift if you opened up your checking account at a certain time. They've moved away from that even. Yeah, what happened to the toasters? (laughs) Yeah, what happened to the toaster? Um, It's become all about them. And there's nothing wrong with celebrity branding and positioning, but you still have to showcase why it's going to make a difference to your prospect. And um, needless to say, I'm generally not a very good match. I've been asked into several banks to do pitches, and it's never a good match because (laughs) we want them to get into a promotional plan that's going to have time-sensitive calls to action and make it all about their prospect and stop being about them. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to market, but that's not always what people want to do. Whenever I see uh, bank ads, particularly you know, not national banks, um, oh. I, I, I remember I, I saw a speaker once and he was talking about this concept of of weeing. A lot of companies, particularly banks, they wee all over themselves. And no, it's not what you think. It's we this and we that. <laughs> so when you yeah. mentioned this, showing the staff and the, the building and, and all that, <laughs> I just, I can't get that out of my head from that speaker who was talking about uh, companies that we all over themselves. Yeah. Well, I just got one from Bank of America, though. I just got an email telling me to be excited that next week their new app would be released. I, I mean, let me write that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Why do I care? What is the incentive for me to check it out? How does this make my life better? Why did you just use my email a time with conversation with you to tell me this? Like, yeah, so I don't think I think the national brands are just as guilty as those local folks. But yeah, those local folks are do a really poor job at that. Yeah. <laughs> so you talk about uh certain direct response marketing principles that have to be applied to social media marketing. Or you might as well set your money on fire, as most companies do. Talk about some of those principles. 
Yeah, so that's with having a call to action. You want to make sure you always tell people very clearly what to do next, such as click here now, visit this website now, call this number now. And it seems so silly to need to use all those words, but we have split tested this. Just putting the link there versus putting the link there and saying click versus putting the link there and saying click here now, we've seen a big lift in results. So you want to always increase results by telling them exactly what to do. And this is an old direct response marketing principle because back in you know the day when you would do direct mail, you would say, pick up the phone, dial the number, and they saw um, an increase in results by doing that. So that's number one. You tell them exactly what it is you want them to do. And this is also outside of ads. You know, every single blog post you have, every page on your website, every place where somebody may go or visit, always tell them where to go next. Because if somebody has taken the time to read your page, they've gotten all the way to the bottom, there's someone who is interested and they need to have a clear path or channel of where they should go next. That will always help increase your results. Mm-hmm. Another thing that can be taken from the direct response greats is using an open loop. So this means that at the end of every direct mail page in a long form letter, you would find that they never ended a page in a complete sentence or at the end of a paragraph. It would always be in the middle of a sentence, in the middle of a paragraph, getting you to turn to the next page. Well, the same thing works incredibly well in Facebook ads. The Facebook gives you an opportunity below an image to put text so we always use this open loop strategy that will finish the copy and with a dot, dot, dot that's in the middle of a paragraph, in the middle of its sentence, encouraging you to click and read the rest of it. We also make sure it's congruent, meaning that the text you'll find on the landing page and the image is the same you see on the ad. Again, very basic direct response. You want to make sure your letter matches your website same thing with your ads. And so often we don't see that match. People use what's quote unquote clickbait. They'll use a really crazy image in their ad just to get a click, but that image will be nowhere on the landing page. Facebook has actually um, ruled that against their rules, by the way. Um, They've made it so that if they find you're using an image on your ad that is not on your landing page, they can deny your ad or actually shut your account down. So that was one of those important rules you always want to make sure you stay in the guidelines of. Um, And one final one, this is a big takeaway. So this is a writer downer for those of you who visit the show page notes. Um, You'll want to make sure to test putting something red in your ads. We have found time and time again, even when we're using a stock photo from the free stock photos offered in Facebook ads um, advertising, that when we choose something red in the image, it increases our results at least 75% of the time. And especially when we do a high contrast ad, it's black and white and red. This tends to have a higher lift. Um, The reason being, I believe, is because social media is so saturated with photos. That's the number one thing people want to share and post are lots of photos. Those photos are saturated with color. And so when you run an ad that's red and black and white, it tends to stand out in a very crowded marketplace and get that click to go through. But remember, when you use an ad like that or use an image like that, you want to have that same image on your landing page in order to have that congruency from ad to offer. Yeah, and I think a lot of graphic designers go nuts when you, you know, they, they're, they're given guidelines like that. Uh, and then there's a lot of data backing it up. <laughs> how, yeah, how, how can they argue that about that, you know? 
Yeah, I had to in my most recent, because um, we're actually hiring for a graphic designer right now, and I had to in my most recent ad listing say, some days it will feel like a tormented um, social media image factory <laughs> because we, you don't get to use a whole lot of creative energy when I tell you it needs an icon and needs to be red, black, and white, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's other days where they get to do more fun projects. But that's the reality of it. This isn't about being creative. This is about being effective. Yeah, you know, and I love how um, Facebook and Google actually reward uh, people who are doing it right. Like, you know, with paying lower AdWords costs, if you are, are setting everything up correctly and you're, uh, somewhat, uh, more organically friendly. And it's, it's, it's not like they're just taking your money. They, they actually want you to be successful so that the people who are either searching or visiting Facebook, you know, will have a better experience with a more relevant ad. For sure. Except I will do this is the one caveat. Now, Facebook is my favorite platform for marketing, hands down, because it's the most sophisticated and most effective we have found. And we advertise in every medium possible. But although I haven't done skywriting yet, but besides that, pretty much you name a channel and I've advertised in it. Mm -hmm. However, because some people before us have done some bad things on the Internet, Facebook really limits the direct response marketing types of headlines you can use. So there's a lot of words that you cannot get away with. And the big caution for Facebook marketing is you need to become a great reader and a studier of their guidelines. You can't use words like guaranteed. You can't offer um, big promises. Like if I wanted to say a phrase like um, you'll get the million dollar um, copywriting technique, I can't say that. I can't promise this is going to produce a million dollars. I can't do before and after photos for a fitness program, even if they're 100% legitimate and have been certified in some way. So there's a lot of really great direct response marketing techniques that you cannot use on Facebook. However, Facebook is not the channel in which you sell and no social media should be. It is merely legion. So you can use all of those really great marketing techniques, but not in your front end offer. Think about using those offers still, using those techniques, using those headlines, using those subject lines, but putting them behind whatever offer, whatever sequence is going to show up in front on Facebook, because then you could put on the back end. You can use those direct response marketing techniques in other social media channels still. So that's why Twitter can be a great place to test because they do not care what you say. So you have an opportunity to test different headlines. Um, The same thing with LinkedIn. There are not uh, rules against certain headlines or promises yet. So while they're not as prevalent or there's not maybe not might not be as effective, they're good places to test some headlines that you could not get away with on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about how some other folks have ruined it for the rest of us. You know, it's like, that's why we can't have nice things. And it yeah. remind, <laughs> reminds me of Gary Vaynerchuk, who famously says, marketers ruin everything. <laughs> we, <laughs> we find something great, and then we just abuse it like crazy. And then, and then uh, some technology comes along or rules like Facebook has that says, stop that. You can't do, or like can spam laws, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, he's one to talk. That man has the dirtiest mouth I've ever heard, but whatever. (laughs) I was editing my comments. Yeah. (laughs) I actually saw him at at an inbound conference a while back. And uh, during his keynote, somebody actually counted and he dropped the F-bomb 74 times. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that, but you know, he has his own jam and it's going well for him. So God bless him. (laughs) There you go. And he's a Jets fan. Yeah, I know. Like your dad. Mm -hmm. 
he says he's going to be he's going to own the Jets one day. You know, it's important to have we'll goals. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> right. um, so I, I would I would just add though that I mean even though Facebook has those rules, you can still go read them. They'll tell you exactly what to do and not do, just like with the like Google Webmaster or or the pay per click. They'll tell you how to be more effective. So I I, I find that uh, you know if people would bother to read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. So. Um, what you, you say that Facebook, uh, you prefer that to all the other social media platforms, and you even went through and said, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, some of these other things you, you can do for certain things, but really, uh, you're very enthusiastic about Facebook, and that was one of the big takeaways I had from the book. Can you talk about some of the biggest mistakes Facebook advertisers make? Sure. So behind the ads platform is really where all the power lies. And I'll, I'll explain that why and then why most people aren't utilizing it. So Facebook has partnered with data mining companies, Datalux, Epsilon, Experian. And these are the same data mining companies that huge companies have used for a long time to do incredibly sophisticated direct mail campaigns. So you can target people with a certain home value that they have, their political affiliation, what they purchased last month, um, what they are going to be most likely to purchase in the future. All of these things, even what television show they watch, all these things are trackable because they're tied into credit card companies. So I hate to say this, but the reality is your credit card um, company is selling all of your personal data to data mining companies, which then are utilizing that data and things like Facebook. So you can now, where it used to be, you know, you needed to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing to be able to get data like this, you can now run a $10 Facebook campaign and really micro-target exactly who you were looking for. The mistake that most marketers make is, number one, they don't use any of this. They're just using the simple platform that Facebook allows you to see up front on your business page, which is called boosting a post or promoting your page. And there's really nothing wrong with either one of those. And they can be really effective, especially if you're a small business in a town who can reach anyone. Let's say you're a restaurant and you're going to offer different special each week. Well, chances are people in your town will like that and you could go ahead and boost that post. But what you could do that would be even more effective is you could go into your ads manager and say, well, we want to boost the post for anybody who has a premium credit card and has gone out to eat in the last 60 days. You can target those people specifically. So now we've taken our offer and matched it with the exact perfect prospect. The other thing that Facebook can do that's incredibly effective that hardly anybody utilizes is it can take your list of your best customers, you can upload them, and then you can tell Facebook to find people who have the exact same demographics as your best customers, and then you can micro-target them. So let's say you're a financial planner and you upload a list of your best clients. That's like an email list? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, or it's now expanded. Not just email. You can do telephone, cell phone numbers. You could do mailing addresses. You could do just name, city, and state. It's gotten way more sophisticated, so you don't even need the email address in order to make this work. And you can take those folks, upload it, tell them to duplicate them, and then you can micro-target. So I could say, okay, Here's this list of Facebook found of very similar people, but now I only want to target these three zip codes. I want them to be in this age group and have this net worth. So you can still, you could take all the best that Facebook can do for you and then still say of that group, please give me these people. 
There is no other marketing platform in the world that allows you to be that sophisticated and test at this low of a budget. So any of these examples I've given you, you can literally run for a couple bucks a day to test out how they're working before you scale them any larger. And that's why so many of our clients, like, for example, the organization that Dan Kennedy started, GKIC Insider Circle, is a client of ours. They started with $750 a month advertising budget. We are now at a $1,500 a day advertising budget because these, when you begin to micro-target your exact market and you put them into an offer that works, you know, the sky becomes the limit because now we're looking at new ways every day that we can advertise even more because it's returning an ROI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, $1,500 a day is, I'm sure, paying for itself several times over. Yeah, absolutely. So we're getting over a 10 times revenue spend of whatever we spend each month on advertising right now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, explain what a lead magnet is and, and how can marketers... Uh, quickly create effective lead mar- lead magnets. Yeah, sure. So a lead magnet is giving people an incentive to give you their contact information that's so good that if you were charging for it, they would pay for it. And so this is offering something of value, whether it's... And by the way, something that I like in this step is not information. I don't love... Even though it can be effective, and one of my lead magnets is a free chapter of our book, and I will offer that. Or like a research study? A research study... That really only works well if you're a more established or credible source because then people believe that what you have to offer is valuable enough to want to consume it. Mm. But in general, people want a, ch- a tool, something that's going to make their life easier, a tool, um, a resource, so a checklist, a blueprint, a script. These tend to be the most effective lead magnets. And we have split test this. We have a couple of lead magnets that we charge a dollar for up front. So one of them is 113 social media posts plus bonus images, and another is 35 Facebook ad templates. We have found those to be even more effective because now we're not just getting the contact name and email address, but we're getting all of the contact information from our prospect. And it has to be legitimate because it has to match their credit card. So now we're getting their phone number, their mailing address, their correct email address because they've just paid money for something. (laughs) They want to make sure they're going to get it. And we've seen our numbers skyrocket because of that. Um, So whenever you can offer something, whether it's free or a low cost, try to go after a tool versus a piece of information. Yeah. When you're giving a keynote and you're explaining these things like, you know, you can do a test for $10 a day. Are you met with some disbelief by traditional marketers? Oh, yeah, for sure. But that's why I don't try to ever sell a client at my booth. I always say, wait to hear me speak because <laughs> I'll show screenshots and examples. Mm-hmm. People really need to hear the whole story because when you just say Facebook marketing is effective, there's no reason for them to believe me. They're, they see anything happening around them. It's not true. Um, most people are not doing it effectively. So we have to show real data. And that's why we use the phrase that I love so much, which is, in God we trust, everyone else bring data. Yes. I uh, I believe in it wholeheartedly and expect others to do the same. Yes. And for the rest of your career, you probably will always be encountering people that don't have data who just, Mm -hmm. you know, want to do it subjectively or or whatever. But um, that's the burden you must bear, Kim (laughs) Walsh-Phillips. Yeah. And that's okay. Because, I mean, it's even biblical thing. There's There's a part of the Bible that said that 
when um, Jesus was told that he needed to dust off his boots and move on. At a certain point, you tell people what you believe they need to hear. And if they don't want to accept it, that's okay. There's many others that will. So we're good with that. We have a truth to tell, and those that want to hear it are ready for it, and those that aren't, we'll leave them behind and keep going. Amen. (laughs) So let's move on from some of the ads. You say that, um, and and the book isn't just about Facebook ads. I I don't want to disabuse the listener of that. There's a whole lot more. Uh, It's almost like you snuck direct response uh, social media into a a larger book (laughs) about marketing and sales. But, um, so there's a bonus there. Um, as it relates to search, um, what do you mean when you say that uh, for local search, uh, you should get your Google house in order? And, and why are Yelp reviews less important? Sure. So it's so important to make sure that whenever you're going to do any kind of major um, digital marketing or any kind of marketing that's going to send traffic to your site, there are certain things you need to do to be in compliance with Google. One is that you want to make sure that you don't have a lot of duplicate content. And what that means is if you have lots of different landing pages offering the same thing or saying the same thing, clean it up. Facebook, uh, or excuse me, Google does not like that. They do not want to see lots of this duplicate content on your site because they don't know where to send someone who's searching and then they'll tend to rank you lower. So that's an easy, quick fix. You also want to make sure that all your pages are in compliance. You have updated copyright information on each page. The contact information is correct. You have no dead pages. Um, one quick fix to that, by the way, is to use lead pages. I love they have a 404 page. And what that means is if anybody comes to a dead page on your site, they receive a message and you can offer them a lead magnet on that page or a link to your blog, something that's friendly and personable versus just a dead page. And it's a great way to get around that Google. And then you also want to check how Google is currently listing your business. And you can contact through your Google AdWords rep. Um, even if you don't currently run ads, you can get an AdWords partner just by opening up an account to make sure your listing is compliance. Um, as far as Yelp reviews, they are not nearly as trafficked anymore that just Google itself. So Google and Facebook reviews are so much more important than using a third-party outfit such as Yelp. Um, and Google is going to put their own results up top. So if anyone's searching for you, that's where they're going to find. So I recommend that you focus all of your attention around getting your reviews on Google and on Facebook as the two places that will give you the highest return on your investment. Great advice. What are some of the ways that businesses might be using email marketing to kill their business? Yeah, so one thing that's amazing is that businesses are so concerned about emailing their list too much. But actually, one thing that you can do that can hurt your business is not email your list enough. If you are not consistently nurturing your list, then when you do want to reach out to them, chances are there are a lot of email addresses that are not going to go through, and your open rate's going to be much lower than if you'd been consistently nurturing your list. Of course, there are people that are going to opt out if they feel like they're hearing from you too often, but that's okay. You only want people on your list engaged who will be consistent readers, and that is because the other email platforms are tracking what you're doing. Google and Yahoo are actually paying attention to how many people open up your emails, and when you have a high open rate, they give you a higher deliverability, which means that your emails will tend to fall in the information email tab versus that promotions email tab that's hidden 
for all their Gmail users and Yahoo users. So it's a good thing. Continue to email your list offering valuable content and you want to have valuable content at least 85% of the time. And then 15% of the time, you could be doing promotions or sales or some other call to action that's going to offer them an opportunity to do business with you. Mm -hmm. And I would say valuable content is something someone would say thank you for. Absolutely, 100%. So on from email marketing to blogging, uh, can you explain why a blog is the, the core foundation of an effective direct response social media marketing strategy? Blogs are an incredible foundation for your digital marketing platform because when you are authoring a blog, you're now not just a marketer, you're an expert. You are being quoted, and of, of course, it's your own publication, but you are now positioned as the expert on a specific topic. So here's a place, a center core, where you're sending your market. And you want to have this place because within digital marketing, you're going to be using Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, for lead generation, but you want to get them out of social media and onto your own platform as quickly as possible. Because now you have a controlled place. They're not being enticed by funny cat videos and pictures of cute kids and different games and offers. You have the have control over the conversation. And as if you send them first to your blog post, now you're starting with value. Starting with value from a place where you are the expert you offer them something that they're going to find interesting or useful, and then you could bring them to the next step, which is generally going to be giving you their contact information, followed up by doing business with you. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's thinking about social media marketing, it may just be me, but I think they're thinking, oh, yeah, it's all about the, the social platform. And no, not, not at all. Like you said, it's lead generation. You want to get them to your house. Absolutely. Yep. Add a social as quickly as possible into your own site. So one other question. Uh, in the book, you talk about the biggest secret in social media is offline. Can you explain what that's about? Yeah, for sure. So the reality is you're going to be getting your social media traffic offline to sell them. You will not be selling them in social. People did not go onto social media to make a purchase. They go into Google to search for product programs and services to buy. They go on social media to be entertained and to have conversations. So you need to take whatever path your prospects take to purchase from you and put that same path in place using social media only as the first step, but not as the full funnel. And this is a big mistake that people make. I've seen um, companies struggle with this, that they believe that they place an ad on social media and all of a sudden they should be starting to have new customers come in the door. Absolutely not. They put an ad in social media just to get people in through the door to start on a path to becoming a customer. So if you normally get on the phone to sell somebody, you're still going to need to do that. If you normally sell somebody through an email campaign, you're still going to need to do that. Same thing if in-person event. You're only going to use social media to get people to step number two, whatever your effective step number two may be. <laughs> and there does need to be a step two. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Kim, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Have your entire system planned out before you have your first post, meaning begin with the end in mind. Know how you're going to sell your prospects so you can build it backwards from sale to content to lead magnet to your initial contact. And then that way you'll be the most effective possible. Mm, that's easy to say, and it's so hard for companies to do, but that is great advice. What books have inspired your work and career? 
Yeah. So my favorite book of all time, of course, is Dan Kenny's No BS Direct Response Marketing book for non-direct response marketing businesses because that was my big game changer. But my one that two that I have with me every day um, that I use all the time are two books that I highly recommend, and it's um, Words That Sell. It's a great copywriting book, and another one is Headlines That Make You Rich. I love both of them because they are great for getting me out of my normal words um, that I probably overuse and help me to come up with some good headlines and brainstorm. And then um, my biggest book influence really for how I run my company is Traction. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great systems book. And we have a daily staff meeting every day. Um, video meeting and my staff's all over the place. And we do that specifically because of that book is just one part. Um, but it helped to increase our sales three times over the year we implemented that book. I love it. Mm, yes. I've heard so much about that book. Uh, that's, and, and, and the, my, my agency friends that have used it, uh, they swear by it. Mm-hmm. So are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to seeing? Yeah. So I, um, have a really romantic thing that I do every year on the anniversary of my with my husband. We go on a cruise and I get to catch up on reading. <laughs> so <laughs> oh. I've already bought my books for this year's cruise. I'm all excited. Um, so the three that I just purchased are um, I one of my guilty pre- pleasures is I like to watch Million Dollar Listing. It's a show on Bravo, and one of the guys on that show, Frederick Eklund, um, wrote the book called The Cell. Secrets of Selling Anything to Anyone. Um, then I have one of my oldie but goodie favorites. I'm going to reread The Ultimate Sales Mas- Machine by Chet Holmes. Mm. And then finally, um, I've read um, several of his books, but now I'm going to read Growth Hacker Marketing by Ryan Holiday. Oh, that's those a great one. My, yeah, those are next to my list. Mm-hmm. Super. Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing those with us. Uh, how best can listeners learn, learn more about you and your book? Sure. So if you want to get a free chapter of the No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, you can visit nobschapter.com. And then um, if you just want to connect with me and read some of the blog, we have uh, content put up every single day at elitedigitalgroup.com forward slash blog, no opt-in required. We'll make sure to uh, include those in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Can, you, can you mention the um, – now, for the listener's benefit, I'm the one bringing this up. Can you mention the um, the gift that you get uh, with the book? Sure. You call so, it the most incredible free gift ever. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so there's two different things. One is if you um, order the book on Amazon, I think right now it's $11, so it's a good deal, um, and you visit nobssocialmediabook.com, you can claim a power pack, social media power pack, where we give a lot of the how-tos. As you can imagine in a book about social media, we didn't do a ton of how-tos because social media changes so quickly. So we do a lot more strategy in the book, and then the free bonus says a lot of the how-tos. And then the membership bonus um, comes with the book is through GKIC Insider Circle. There you can get a huge um, marketing toolkit if you try a free um, trial of their membership. So there's thousands of dollars really worth of benefits um, and bonuses just for engaging in that book. So you can start off for free. The best place to start is just to get a chapter with no obligation, and that's at nobschapter.com. You know, it's almost like you are in the direct response business or something. Weird, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the name of the book is 
The No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing, the ultimate no-holes-barred guide to producing measurable, monetizable results with social media marketing. The authors are Dan Kennedy and Kim Walsh-Phillips. Kim, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that closes the book on episode 96 of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for links to all the things we talked about in this interview and free marketing guides from my agency. And while there, make sure to sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. Hey, I really love hearing from listeners and I'd like to hear from you. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and send a message or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett or send me a tweet at my Twitter handle at marketingbook. And please join us next time as we talk with David Hoffeld about his new book, The Science of Selling, Proven Strategies to Make Your Pitch, Influence Decisions, and Close the Deal. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.